This is an AMI podcast. In the last 25 years, dragon boat racing has spread across Canada and around the world. There's numerous opportunities for vision-impaired, blind, and deaf-blind people to race either as a team or on other teams. I love dragon boat racing, and I've made lots of great friends over the years. Today on Outdoors with Lawrence Gunther, it's all about dragon boats. Come on, Lewis, I think I can hear the drums of the pacekeepers. Let's go find Lily. Getting schooled with Miss Lily. Hey, Lily. Hi. Hey, what did you learn about dragon boats that you can share with us today? <laughs> a dragon boat is a 12-meter-long boat with 20 benches. Two paddlers sit on each bench, and there's a coach-slash-steers person standing in the stern. It's a flat-bottomed, very stable boat shaped like a canoe in that it comes to a point at each end. On race day, dragon boats are fully decorated with a dragon head with a long neck attached to the bow and a long tail attached to the stern. Uh, Dragon boat racing can be traced back as far as 2,500 years ago. It started with fishing communities along the Yangtze River in southern central China. Cool. Yeah. It was initially a folk ritual designed to appease the rain gods to encourage rainfall and to celebrate the summer rice planting season. However, dragon boat racing was ended during the Chinese Cultural Revolution that started in 1966. Chinese leaders at that time claimed dragon boat racing was a feudal superstition that undermined their revolutionary goals. That's amazing, eh? That cultural practices that go back 2,500 years can all of a sudden be banned, just outright banned. You know, in Canada, we would call that cultural genocide. Um, it, it was in 1976 that dragon boat racing was revitalized by the Hong Kong government that was under British rule at the time. Uh, Hong Kong began to promote the sport to boost tourism. In 1991, the International Dragon Boat Federation was established along with a set of institutional rules and regulations governing the sport. You know, in 1996, I joined my first dragon boat team. It was a CNIB team. It was only around for a year. And then it's something, I don't know what happened to it. But then I joined another team in 2000, Dragon Eyes. It was a new team. We raced from 2000 to 2006 and we did really well. Great. Awesome. That team, Dragon Eyes, we raced all over Eastern Ontario. At first, we'd show up and people would look at us and go, oh, isn't that nice? A team made up of, you know, vision impaired and blind and deaf people. And then they raced against us and then they'd see us coming and they would be in fear. Oh, crap. Because <laughs> we, we were good. Oh, uh, well, didn't I get to race with that team? I know I did. I raced with that team. You did. You did. You were in your mother's stomach. Yes. And we came in second out of 175 boats that <laughs> year. We lost. We lost by one. <laughs> that's 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 sad second is the first to lose oh i know some people blame the coach for putting a pregnant woman in the boat but she was a good paddler and uh and we needed her in turn they were blaming me god cool awesome good to know i'm the demise of a blind boat racing team oh well there was other things going on turns out ottawa isn't the only city with a blind dragon boat team the dartmouth dragon boat association offers dragon boat sessions for blind and partially sighted individuals who would like the opportunity to get on water for fun and fitness. Sessions are free. Life jackets and paddles are provided. If you have a service dog, a dog watcher on shore is also provided. 
Um, practices are never canceled due to bad weather, with the exception of lightning or high winds or possibly tornadoes. The practices are held at Graham Groves Park off Prince Albert Road in Dartmouth. For more information, email info at dragonboateast.ca or leave a voicemail at 902-469-4425. Very cool. You know, there's so many dragon boat teams uh, made up of blind, low vision and deaf blind people across Canada. It's just fantastic. Lily, I've managed to get in touch with the uh, coach of the dragon boat team in Dartmouth, Albert McDonald. Uh, let's hear what he has to say. All right. Thanks, Lily. Time for the bucket list. Welcome, Albert McDonald, to uh, Outdoors with Lawrence Gunther. Thanks for taking the time to uh, talk with us about dragon boat racing and coaching, my friend. Wow. Well, thanks for having me, Lawrence. Yeah, so how did you get involved with coaching uh, dragon boat teams? I... uh started Dragon Ball competitively as part of a bunch of sprint canoe paddlers. My, my, my background is in sprint canoe. Mm-hmm. Um, and I started, uh, Jim Farintosh put together a crew of sort of top sprint canoe paddlers back in 1996 to uh, go in this funny boat called a, a dragon boat, which none of us had been in, but we could adapt pretty quickly because of our sprint background. We went to Hong Kong, won the world championship, and I've sort of been hooked on Dragon Boat ever since. I followed your team. I was Dragon Boating around then, too. And you were—you guys were famous. You guys were famous, yeah. man. Yeah. We were pretty famous, yeah. And in Dragon Boat, you pretty quickly get into coaching because it's, it's such almost a family atmosphere. And there's so many crews. I think the biggest difference is the visually impaired athletes. I don't just say, you know, like I, 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 I'm much more descriptive, I guess. Yeah. I don't just say, okay, we're going to paddle on the lake. I'll say okay, um, we're, you know, we're, we're coming out of our cove. Um, I'll tell them the wind. I'll always say, you know, the water's kind of calm today or there's a little bit of wind from the east or whatever. Um, you know, there's not much traffic on the lake, you know, like those sorts of things. Yeah. yeah. Um, I'll, I'll, I'll be much more descriptive about not just paddling. Um, the paddling part is pretty similar um, you know, you have to start teaching timing, and it, it, it may take a little longer with, with the uh, visually impaired athlete, yeah. but they're the same sorts of challenges. You know, they need, to learn, they need to learn timing first, and then after that, it gets a lot easier. Do you use the timing? Uh, do you use the drum for the timing? I know my team, we gave up on the drum because everyone used the drum. Which drum do you listen to, right? So we just called it out. We had someone at the front call it out. Uh, what do you guys do? Yeah, that's... 100 percent you know i i find that even for you know non-visually impaired teams you're right they get so dependent on that drummer and then they get in the race and there's six drums yeah so yeah you're absolutely right um i try to teach more almost a feel Mm -hmm. um you know i get them to count themselves we do count out loud like we'll start out by doing you know, I do this drill where they all go paddles up and I'll say one and they take one stroke and put their paddle back up. Mm-hmm. And then we do two and they all count out loud, one, two. I find counting works if the athlete does it themselves, but it doesn't work so well, particularly with visually impaired athletes, if someone else does it. If I say one and there's 20 visually impaired athletes, they all, they all process that at different times. 
if everyone's out a tenth of a second, then we haven't really accomplished anything. It's chaos. So, yeah. so I get them to all say sort of one together, mm-hmm. take the stroke, and, 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 and that helps a lot. I found the feeling of the boat through my butt, you know, through the seat. There was a lot of information coming through that boat. But, it, you yeah. know, it can get a little chaotic when you're going around a turn because the, the boat, the feel of the boat totally shifts. It comes off plane. It gets all sluggish again. It's not lunging like it does when it's up on plane. I've got a lot of admiration for any Dragon Ball paddlers had that experience where they sort of whack their thumb on the side of the boat. Uh-huh. It, you know, <laughs> oh, when, when, when you come out, you sort of go to thrust that paddle in the water and you whack your thumb on the side of the boat. And that hurts. Yeah. Like, you know, you do that at a time or two. And that is more of a challenge um, for, for, for the visually impaired athlete. In fact, a lot of times I don't know how they do it. And I remember, that, you know, we have an athlete, one of our first visually impaired athletes. That's yeah, like getting so, hit with a hammer, you know. It's a, Yeah, it, it really is. Yeah. But now I'm, I'm more sensitive to that. So I, I absolutely try to sort of teach placement better. You know, here's your range of placement kind of thing, so they don't whack their thumb. Do you change sides? Like, I know our team, at, at some point, we just grabbed a side, and that was it. We never changed sides, like, as individual paddlers at some point. Anyone with a sprint background, they only paddle on one side. Yeah. Um, and a lot of people in our club are sprint-based. So pretty much we, I would say 90% of our paddlers paddle one side, and all of our visually impaired athletes paddle on, on, on one side. You know, you do need some people that paddle two sides, and we do have some. So they're sort of filling in for holes in the boat, kind of where someone isn't available. What about training people on the stroke itself? It's it's not the same as a canoe stroke, is it? The thing with uh, you know, in general, with dragon boat is you you want to try to keep the body your body weight ahead of you, if that makes any sense. So if you if you're thinking of sort of recreational canoeing, in recreational canoeing, you tend to do a lot of your stroke behind you. Um, you know, because you're sort of pulling along and enjoying it and relaxing and whatever. With sprint canoe, the stroke is more forward and ahead of you. But if you can't show that to your vision impaired and, and your team, how do you do it? How do you explain that? Like one by one, you take them hand by hand and, and, and physically explain it to them? Or or do you just dissect well, it through words? Yeah, you you absolutely have to. And, I, and, and, and same with non-visually impaired athletes, to be honest with you. Um, but yeah, you, you do actually sort of kind of grab them and pull their paddle and, 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 you know, with visually impaired athletes, I absolutely do do, you know, while holding the paddle, do the stroke to let them know, here's where the paddle's going in and here's where the paddle's coming out. Mm -hmm. Um, and visually impaired athletes in general are kind of better at getting that quick, more quickly than, than non-visually impaired athletes, to be honest. Then the other thing is. We've been absolutely blessed in our club. I, I could get as many volunteers as I want. It, it, it's unbelievable. Our club is just so supportive of it. You know, we have some really good paddlers, you know, non-visually impaired athletes that go almost on, you know, either on the same seat or behind. So we've got lots of instruction so that they'll help them sort of through the, 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 the practice if they drift off. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Do you have any deaf-blind uh, members of the team? I coach at a bow wave uh, spring training camp in florida um and we've had some visually impaired athletes down there and we did have uh, a, a gentleman who was deaf and blind 
Uh, and he, he actually was a pretty good father, just a wonderful person. I had a guy in my team, and he sat beside me, and, um, you know, he, he could read lips a little bit. He had tunnel vision. Yeah. And but yeah. what a what a machine we were both in the engine room, you know, right in the middle of the boat. What about race day? How do you prepare? Is there different ways? I know there's a lot of psycho kind of stuff going on out there. A lot of teams, you know, rah, 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 you know, trying to psych out the other teams. Is there anything you do differently with your uh, vision impaired team? I've done a fair bit in canoeing. Yeah. And, 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 and probably the neatest thing, you know, I've ever done. Is, is we have a, a, a big festival here. We entered our visually impaired team in, and what I'm going to tell you is we did exactly the same thing that we do with our, our non-visually impaired team. You know, we, we, we really practiced and rehearsed, and I like to go through every stroke, and, you know, I like to practice lining the boat on the line and, and, and all those things. Mm-hmm. I'm not much of one for yelling and screaming and all that stuff. I, I'm, I'm more, you know, kind of stay within yourself and let's, you know, let, let's put it on the water. And our vision impaired team did just amazingly well. You know, I, I, we made one of the finals and beat some teams, and they were so thrilled. <laughs> nice. They were, they, they were so thrilled to, 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 to be competitive, and it was, uh, it, it was a really, really neat day. But to answer your question, no, we just kind of do the same thing, you know, the same thing that we would do with anybody else. Head in the boat head in the boat just stay yep. focused yeah yeah i hear you yeah, man. you got enough to worry about right yeah i find in general if i'm sitting there going you know come on everybody you know guys then i'm not ready you know so yeah. just I'd, I'd rather you know just be ready yourself i miss it man i miss it uh it's been a few years since i've been in a dragon boat but i i loved it our team our team imploded at some point but that's not unusual for dragon boat teams right the at some point things happen and there, there must be some interesting stories about uh, things that have happened on the water you might want to share with us. Uh, no names. You know, one thing that was funny was when we very first started, like one of our first practices. Yeah. And uh, we had what we thought initially, and we still stick to it kind of, but the skill level's a lot higher. But initially, we wanted to go with a one-to-one ratio. So one vision-impaired athlete would be partnered on a bench with, with, with one of our with one of our athletes, our experienced athletes. Mm-hmm. And, and so, you know, we were all set for the first day. And, and, and again, I, I cannot say enough about our volunteers. Our, our volunteers is wonderful. And, and in fact, our volunteers, uh, we all went and took a course, like a guide course. It was a special education school, I guess, in Halifax. Right. So we all went over there and took a guide course, which, which if anyone out there is interested in doing this, I would recommend you do that. Guiding you on dogs. Learn so much, so much. <laughs> It's so worth it. Yeah. So yeah. we had we had like ten volunteers or whatever it was, and, and we all took our course. We all came back. We're all keen. And then we had it was really ten names on paper, you know, that were showing up ten, that we'd never met. They showed up, and if our guide, let's call them guide, okay, in yeah. the boat, now picture this in a dragon boat, was five foot two, somehow we had managed to pair them with a gentleman who was six foot five. <laughs> Like, like it was just hilarious. It was like if you tried to mess it up. Yes, yeah. yeah. And of course, you're dealing with boat bounds. But uh, we thought we were all organized, and you know, I'd done all these smart things, and uh, it was quite funny. Like, and, you know, everybody was laughing about it, but it, you know, we figured that out pretty quick too. Tell us a little bit about body size and strength, and where you put them in the boat. Just give people a visual image of that. Well, the the thing with a dragon boat is it's it's widest in the middle. Okay, so it's 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 almost a bit like a banana shape. Um, so 
your larger people, there's more room in the middle because the boat is wider. Um, so, and also just the way the boat is set up, you want, you want to keep the bow lighter, you know, you want to keep the stern lighter. So, so let's say the first six people in the bow and the, and, and the last six people in the stern are, are matched up in terms of size. And then your, your, your power, you know, we call them power generators are, are, are in the middle. Yeah. All of the, you know, I could do a whole show on how important every spot was, but all the, all the spots are important. Probably need a little more skill level in, in, in the back six because the water's running fast back there, hmm. particularly with a visually impaired crew. It, it's a lot easier for a visually impaired athlete to paddle in the front than it is for them to paddle in the back because, you know, the water's running fast and, and, and they've got the additional skill of trying to, to gather and collect water with that water running fast in time. Hmm. Um, so, you know, so, so, so really, if you just think of, you know, your small, mighty athletes, in general, putting them up front and and in back, um, and then your larger athletes where there's more room in the middle. Yeah, yeah, and uh, it, we call it the engine room, but uh, yep. for sure there's and then you know the weights, you know, getting the left right weight balance set up properly too. That can be a little embarrassing, but you know, you, you coaches just look and they just say, okay, you go there, you go there, right? I mean, you don't, you don't. That's right. No one weighs anybody. You could just tell by the look, I guess, right? Yeah, even with my more elite athletes, I don't, you know, unless you're at the world championships, I'm not weighing people. Yeah. Um, but I will say, I think I could win guess your weight at some <laughs> carnival, like every time. I'm, I'm pretty good at guessing the weight yeah. and, and, and have it level out. And with our volunteers, we always have people that can paddle both sides. So yeah. that helps too, because I, I just move our volunteers around. I, I You know, the, now... The visually impaired athletes just put them in where they're supposed to go, and then I'll move the I'll I'll move the the sighted athletes around, and and you know they're very flexible. They'll go wherever, so it works. Volunteers are so important, like you said, for guiding on docks and just getting to the practice area and the race area back. I mean, there's not always public transportation showing up at the at the uh, practice times, right? It's it's nice That's to have a those. Big challenge. Yeah, that, that, that is our single business challenge transportation um, and, yeah. and it's something that we've got to try to sort out um it, it's definitely limiting our numbers um my now i i do want to say that my lovely wife jan oakley this is her thing she she doesn't like to be the center of attention but she does 90 percent of the work i mean i just steer the practices and coach the practices but she does all the behind the scenes stuff she'll get in her car and drive to you know, a mile and a half away where the bus stops to get to, to, to pick up athletes and she picks up guide dogs and, oh. you know, gets my granddaughter to come and babysit the guide dog while people are out and all <laughs> those things. And, that, and that's, that's really what makes the, the program work. And, yeah. and, and also the biggest challenge is, 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 is indeed transportation. And it's something we're trying to figure out and, and you know, so we can get more people because we, it, it, it makes us, upset i guess that you know we will have people contact us and just say look we'd love to do it um and whatever we just can't get there so yeah bigger no transportation i guess is our, our our next thing but i will tell you they're really you know you want to have a really really fun practice um either come and paddle in the visually impaired crew or come as a supporter or come as you know get involved because it because it's a really really neat fun practice well, I got my wife involved, and uh, and soon enough, we were driving. She was driving a whole bunch of us back and forth every time. But uh, and that's the yep. way it works, right? That's just the way it works. 
Albert McDonald, thank you so much. And a big thanks to Jen as well. I mean, her name's all over the website, you know, contact this person and do this yep. and uh, say thanks to her as well. And uh, good luck this season, sir. Okay. Thanks, Lauren. Keep in touch. All right, man. Great talking to you. Outdoor tips and tech. Six degrees on your left. 122 meters. The stroke you use to paddle a dragon boat is quite different than what you would use on a canoe or a kayak. Here's how I was taught to paddle a dragon boat. First off, sit snug up against the side of the dragon boat with your feet braced on the floor in front of you. All the power from your paddling is going to be transmitted through your body and into your feet and into the boat. The seat itself is just there for balance. Your inside arm is always straight. It never bends. You angle it up and out, so your hand is just above the water. Your outside arm, or the arm closest to the side of the boat, is your lever. Reach forward with your lower arm while lifting the paddle out of the water with your upper arm. As you're reaching forward, lean forward. Not too far that you bang into the person in front of you, but as far forward as you can. Remember, keep that top arm straight at all times. Once your lower arm is straight out in front of you and you're bent over, straighten up your back, pull back on that paddle with your lower arm until your hand comes back level with your hip. At that point, lift the paddle out of the water and repeat. You're going to need to learn how to do this more than once per second. 80 strokes a minute is what you do in a dragon boat race. The average race is half a kilometer, 500 meters. And there's usually a turn about halfway down the course where you turn 180 and come back the other direction. Paddling in time with the rest of your team is the most important thing. If you're paddling out of time, you're pulling that entire boat and the other 19 people in it on your own. You'll get wet, but you'll have a lot of fun. The last dragon boat team I was on would start practicing in early April when the water was still really cold. By June, we were all in excellent condition. Didn't matter how old we were or how big we were, we were paddling machines. To people who didn't know us, our team looked like someone had just gone onto a public bus and rounded up a bunch of people. At first, people used to think it was nice that a bunch of vision-impaired, blind and deaf-blind people had their own team. It wasn't long before word got out that we were good. Real good. Each year, there's a huge dragon boat festival in Ottawa with as many as 175 teams competing. Our team, Dragon Eyes, would finish in the top 10 every year, and we even won our amateur category a number of times. At some point, we owned our own dragon boat, paddles, life jackets, we had everything, even our own t-shirts. But, like with all teams, pretty soon egos get involved, people have opinions, and they stop listening to the coach. On a boat, there's one boss, and that's the coach. When people stop listening to the coach or disagree with the coach, the end of the team isn't far off. Follow me on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram, or visit me at lawrencegunther.com to keep up the date on my blogs and videos. Subscribe to get the latest episodes of Outdoors with Lawrence Gunther by visiting your favorite podcast provider. And please take some time to rank us and give us some comments on your podcast provider's site so other people will learn about our new show. Send me your feedback, suggestions, and questions on email at feedback 
at AMI.ca or on Twitter at AMI-audio. I want to thank Nazreen Abdel-Majid, Sam Robinson, and Paula Deneen. They're my technicians. The manager of AMI-audio is Andy Frank. This was an AMI podcast. For more accessible media, visit AMI.ca.